Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast or episode 28 for the week of February 10th, 2019. I am your host, Ron Herkins Jr., and I am here with... Tony Carter. And Valerie Vidmar. Hello, hello, and welcome to the revamped studio. It looks so nice. It's so comfortable. We're now around... Well, that was a uh, nice little interesting power surge. Mm-hmm. I didn't even see it. Um, yeah, we got a new uh, smaller table, a little easier chairs to sit in, so... Much easier chairs. But uh, interesting show on the way today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the news we care about, go through a couple new trailers that came out, our recommendation list um, that's a little stunted. Um, today's stew, which is? Dealing with writers, authors, movies about authors that actually existed, <laughs> real people, and also um, fictionalized characters and the writing process. And then we'll wrap up with what's on our radar and what's in our queue and talk about our next show. All right. Into the news that we care about. What do we got? Let me see here. I wanted to start out with one thing, but I'm going to start out with something else. That we lost Albert Finney. Yes. Um, I just, I really like that man. Anyway. Um, he was in Big Fish, right? He was. Yes. He was in Big Fish. And Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. Yes, he was. Daddy and Warbucks. Double Knows You're Dead was Phil and Ethan Hawke. So. Yeah. Um, he was in Skyfall, but I don't remember him as much as I do in those other parts. So um, I don't know. He's just one of those guys that you know. And I thought he was fantastic as Daddy Warbucks. I don't even like Annie. I hate Annie. I kind of forgot that he was Daddy Warbucks until my wife said something. Um, like, oh, yeah, that was him. It was just so long ago. But, yeah, Big Fish. Interesting story about that that I'm not going to go into. That's probably the movie I remember him the most by because yeah. it was such a quirky it's a, film. It, it's, kind of, it, it's lovely. It just was ruined by a bad memory. Okay. <laughs> um, I just read this today. I'm I'm behind a lot. We had the bug go through our house and it hit every single person. So I've been down. Um, I just want to ask you guys' opinion about this. So Liam Neeson's racial comments, right? I have heard nothing on this. Okay, so I didn't. So I looked him up and he was talking about one of his friends that was raped. And he said... Um, that he was finding around, like trying to figure out where this guy was. And he, the quote is, I went up and down areas of Kosh. 
with the cosh. Um, What's that mean? Blunt instrument by a club or something. Oh, or, thank you. Hoped I'd be approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that and did it for maybe a week, hoping some, and then it says he gestures air quotes in the air, black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me, something, you know, so I could kill him. Now, was he trying to say that that was the particular guy or just any guy? Was the black bastard in quotes? Is that who told him the story, said it was some black bastard? And Um, what's the context of the... I I can go into that more. Thank Um, you. So Liam Neeson was doing an interview on TV. um, And basically he was talking about a time in his life where he was young, kind of full of passion and rage. Liam also used to be a boxer in his past life. Mm. But um, moving on from that. Um, Liam had a female friend who was raped by someone and she accused a um, black male about it. And Liam was so full of rage at the time that he didn't care what or who black man it was. He just wanted to fight. So he just I wanted read to that spar. differently. So um, he was looking for a role. He wasn't out. I mean, there's a whole bunch of debate about this, but being black in America and that kind of thing, um, I can say that I believe him that it wasn't racial at all. It was just he was full of that revenge mode that it could have been any black man that started a fight with him. It wasn't like he went looking for a black man to punch and knock down. It was, I want someone, a black guy to start up with me. But and then, then later fight. he says so, it could have been. Yeah. Is he saying? It could have it, been any black it, male who started no, with him. He's saying if it was a white male, he would have gone looking for a white man. Yeah, he has done that in the past, actually. He's gotten a lot of bar However, fights and scraps. if he was a boxer. It would have been even worse. Cause because he's actually that, it's a trained thing. to do that. So. Yeah. So jail. And my thing, my from my background and my thought process, he didn't say the N word, which I know he knew that word is, you know, knows that word. Um, he wasn't correcting himself when he was even talking about it. In my interpretation, he could have easily said the N word, even though he knows better. So I think what he said is what he really felt that he was looking for someone, a black male, to start up with him, start a fight, and then he would take his anger out on that black male, not the one who did it, and. Mm-hmm. He would be fine. I don't really like that. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, not my good. My feeling of bastard is it's quite yeah. universal. Yeah, and that's um, agreed. His youthful, passionate immaturity at the point where I don't care what I have to do, but we need to revenge my friend, and I'm angry, and I need to take it on someone. This is not a stupid man. So he's not a stupid man. No, and the fact that he even said this, this is not a stupid man. Like he would not just go on and just say something completely ignorant, right. and he was. It's coming out of, of a, a place of, I know that sounds crazy, of love and, you know, Reflection. having those feelings. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I just saw that and I thought, that's I don't strange. think he's racist at all. I think it's I just, don't think he's, he's racist at all. I think it's just he was blindfold rage and that got the best of him. And he was looking for a week and thank goodness that nothing, no one provoked him. But he was, for a whole week he was out looking for someone, you know, to start with him. So he didn't take his anger out and it never happened and he moved on from it. I still so. don't like it that it could have been anybody. Yeah. I mean, he could. Well, it could have been any black male. I should have said that's what I mean. Any, yeah. And that's what he said, clarified too, that it could have been any black male who started, uh, you know, with me, instigated something with me. So, I don't like that. But Liam was tall, so most people wouldn't want to mess with the tall Irishman. Not to be racist or anything. But. That's okay. Um, also, I um, it was I did actually, I never watched the young, well, I watched The Young and the Restless for one year. When I was in seventh grade or something. But uh, actor Christoph St. John, 
was a longtime cast member and he died at 52. He was found in his apartment. So those who watch that show would know who that is. My cousin has, is having a hard time. She actually knew him personally. She, oh, yeah? yeah, she's a model and whatnot. They have pictures together and hanging out, and she's been devastated about it. Like, just she said, my year started off pretty rough, and it's made it worse. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the American Society of Cinematographers had their thirty third award show, and Cold War was honored. Was their number one pick? Basically, their quote-unquote best picture was the uh, the marquee theatrical picture prize. So that's kind of interesting. So that made me want to see it even more. So uh, what else do I have here? This is kind of silly, but World War Z, which I didn't mind the first one. I kind of found it, in, I don't know, somewhat entertaining, was shut down. Um, over budgetary worries, even though he's got a lot of people. He's going to be really old by the time they actually get. This I know, thing done. but he he keeps getting people on board that are you know some high profile people on board, but uh, it's not moving. Yeah, and then uh, the last thing that I have. It's weird that they didn't capitalize on the momentum of it when it first came out. Yeah, it's been a little while. I don't know how many people even know. Yeah, we got to be close to a decade since it came out. Seriously. Yeah, I guess what it has been. Um, Sundance Market. So Amazon Studios was closing the Sundance at a record $13 million, um for U.S. rights for the uh, deal of Late Night, which is um, basically Mindy Kaling scripted. Uh, it stars Emma Thompson and John Lithgow, but they really believe in the script. So I... They've never paid that much for a movie. The U.S. has not. Other people have, I think, 17.5 for Birth of a Nation, I think, was paid at one point. Like but not, uh, ago, right? but not us. I think two years so, ago. interesting. Hmm. Mindy Kaling is uh, making quite a little name for herself. Another um, thing I talked about the trailer for the, the Ted Bundy film with Zac Efron, extremely vile, and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that one got picked up by Netflix, which is oh. coincidental because Netflix also just put out a Ted Bundy I series, saw that. and I watched that series because I wanted to see how and it played out. Interesting. See, Ted Bundy was played by the ever so good looking. He's on CSI or NCIS. He's in one of those shows. He's like the main guy. You mean oh, Jethro David Gibbs? Carradine? No. Who? The guy who plays Jethro Gibbs? You mean? Yes, Gibbs. Oh, that's NCIS. That's different. Yeah. Um, Guys, I've okay. known. I've known Summer school. Name. Sorry. I've known his name forever, but. Um, Mark Hammond? Or? Thank you. The, the stuff that I've seen of Zac Efron as Bundy, though, he looks very. But they hit Mark Hammond played and, him, and damn. I remember watching him as a kid, and I had a hard time with it because I had such a crush on him, which is sick. Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Mark Harmon? Are you kidding? That man has aged well. He hasn't I'm aged s- since summer school. He looks the same. He, well, looks, actually, he slightly has gotten he has a little great skinnier hair. in NCIS this year, but he's nice. kind of the same. I did not have a test. No, I did not have a crush on Ted Bundy. I <laughs> want to just say that it was Mark Ham- <laughs> Harmon. Harmon. So, yeah, so in in the weird like circle of things, Netflix puts out a series and then they pick up the. How long is that series? It's only 
Is it four episodes? Okay. So it's, it's easy to different. watch. I mean, oh, just makes it. Is it okay? It it you're listening to basically Bundy's thought process and stuff. Weird. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. I remember watching. Occasionally, I like listening and watching the weird things like that. Just there's just something weird. That's all my wife watches on Netflix. She's been watching these cold cases and mass <laughs> murder people. So my brain is not working. Thirty seconds to Mars. Lead singer. Jared Leto. Sorry. Is it Leto or Leto? Jared Leto. I think Leto. it's Leto. Okay. And, and he's never he was out. also, of course, in my so-called life, which was how I fell in love with him. Anyway. He was in Panic Room. He's been in Rochester, too. What? His band, yeah. Yeah, they came here. Mario and Narcy. Five years ago. At the Armory. Yeah. I was, yeah. I had a one-year-old and a, yeah, whatever. That's not, that wasn't going to work. Anyway, but he played. I was poor, so I couldn't go. <laughs> Mark David Chapman. <clears throat> In um, killing John Lennon, and I watched that, and uh, that was disturbing. So these weird—I don't know how I feel about. There's a Charles Manson thing coming out, right? Yes, that's made by um, Quentin, right? And it's got Leo. <sighs> it's made and... by Quentin. It's going to be. I just, All over the place. Yeah. I think cool. it's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah. land. It might be brutal. I don't know if I could do it. Okay. So, yeah, so that, um, the Wicked Musical film oh. has been moved to 2021. Okay. Keep pushing it back. Just keep pushing it back to 2030. We'll just... Hair has been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> do we have... Do we I guess have... it's because <laughs> they couldn't pay their rent. Uh, uh, okay, so why was it canceled? Do anyone know? I know they couldn't handle rent. Why would they handle hair? Hair is even more yeah, outlandish. Rent, rent was the lowest rated, lowest watched musical musical TV. that they've ever since the beginning had. And the guy who was in charge of all of NBC's musicals because it's not died true. in August of last year. So this was the first one that was put out there, not under his guidance. So. I mean, the set design was lovely. It just, I just saw a lot of blind spots for audience members, but the set was great. It's just yeah, too I, much I stuff said going to Elise, on. I said to my wife, I'm like, man, this had to really suck to watch in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's no good sight lines. It, and they moved to a different section of, of time, the place. Song. You just don't see anything. I mean, they're doing Seasons of Love and they're people's butts. I mean, why would you want to see the actor's <laughs> butts when you're singing? You should be in yeah. front of it's just. Yeah. It was more for just to have a live audience yeah. there. They kind of did that same thing with um, when they did Grease. Yes. The audience was outside of the school, so you never really got to see anything. But um, so, yeah, that was canceled and. I think that made Tony's day when he saw that. Oh, when Hare went to uh, Jiva, Jiva did a good job with yeah. with hosting them. No, so. they didn't host. They, they that was all. That was self produced. Self produced. What I mean by host is by putting it on. Produced, mounted, produced. Word choices. People. Um, I'm tired. Hosting would be auditorium theater. I'm going to put this out there so we understand. I saw Chicago. Good. Yeah, I. Velma. I've heard they had some pretty good choreography in this Holy version. Holy crap. The choreography was fantastic. Fantastic. The dancers. I I was mesmerized by the dancers. Velma, I cannot say more about um, Roxy. 
My problem is I have a really hard time with baby talk. And I guess that's her character. But she drove me crazy even though she's talented. But still, I just could not get over her. And, and, uh, baby talk the, the voice? No. Or next? her baby, like she baby talked. Oh, Mousy. Okay. It's just, it was like she's saying as if Betty Boop. it was horrible. <laughs> I just I kept thinking, please stop. But Velma, I mean, that's the reason to go right there. She is the reason to go. And the dancers, I thought. And then they have, of course, they have. The uh, orchestra on stage, mm-hmm. and the, oh, let me take that back. Mm-hmm. The drummer, that fantastic. I mean, I'm a percussionist, but I was so excited, and they did a great job with the lights. Did they think they bring their own lights in? No. Are those their lights? They well, it depends on the set. They they have to, everything at the auditorium is a is a set standard between the the league of theaters, and some will bring in their own lights depending on the show and the needs of the show. It's a um, beautiful but, lighting. Like, the, the stage has to have certain setups so that they can just pop in and out wherever they need to go. It's some beautiful lighting. I mean, I was noticing all these like aesthetic things, but um, and the men knew how to dance. I will say that. And I thought it was that was a good show. I yeah, it was a great show. Okay, moving on from I Chicago. I think we've talked more about Chicago than I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to put it out there. Santino, don't be mad at me, but Santino for Don is going to, he's in to see the musical. It's in previews right now. Um, the same thing happened with Amelie that's happening with Tootsie. We have all this buzz. Oh, I saw Tootsie. Posters, that, that. But there's no video of the show, which scares me because then I'm like, okay, can I see a clip or something? You don't even have to even have. Why? A, I need to see it. Why? I want to see it. Why? I like just, seeing That's the what movie. photos are for. There's not even photos. No, no, okay. no. They haven't gotten to that point to take the photos yet. They should get there. I like the They've been putting out buzzwords and ads and saying best thing ever or laughed my mascara off. I'm like, can I see a clip or a picture of Santino? I mean, even, even when they like, put out like, the clips for uh, Moulin Rouge. It's um, like, God, gorgeous. Nothing. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing and it disappointed me. So I'm, I really don't want this to be disappointing because it's my favorite movie and it's also God, Santino. So, so I'm hoping great. they put out something soon, but you can't put out like I left my mascara off and not show me a picture. Of something from the I, show. I always say. And this show's been in previews for a while now. And yeah, it's just my little... My name is Dorothy. D-O-R-O-T-H-Y. So, Sorry, I said it out there. Moving so, on. All right, moving on to Superhero Corner or the trash bin for... I'll give, um, give for you guys. Oh, get, get, there you go, right. your drink, so, your first drink. We're putting everything here in this little tiny little corner because nobody wants to make a podcast with me about superheroes. By the way, I have, oh, been, my hearing back, will. I have been hearing back Gates. about right. my little drink, drinking game. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about it. So, know. Anyways, um, Avengers Endgame uh, is rumored that it might be getting an intermission. Because it's three hours long. I don't think we need one. Just, 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 just keep just, going. Just going. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll we, going. Come on. Intermissions used to be a cool thing. In theater? I remember in... Yeah. In theater? Intermission means... No you know what that means? Yeah. Keep it going. It means more... You, you've, never, you've never gone to a film that had an Lawrence intermission. Lawrence Arabia, in yes. At the Brighton, yes. So like Gettysburg that had an intermission in it. it had dual, I think it had dual That means in more it. money for the babysitter. It means more money for the concessions. Boom. Moving on. But, um, yeah. What so. is Endgame? That's Endgame, Avengers, Endgame. Oh, sorry. The next uh, one. 
So this is been, the last they've been one? testing it at three yeah. hours and they're beginning good reactions for the three hour tests tomorrow. I can go so. five hours really, but you know, the um, on. talks of the R rated Deadpool um, is going to continue under Disney's rule. Huh. Um, that was confirmed this week through the Disney head Iger. Mm. So that's kind of cool. Um, the uh, rumor that Superman might appear in Shazam. I, he should, at least a little bit. I mean, we'll see what how they play that. And then New Mutants, uh, the beleaguered one that's pretty much done filming, just going through editing hell and production hell, is most likely going to be pushed over to Hulu after the Disney deal is done. I shared a we shared a trailer of this like last year around this time. Um, its date has been moved probably about 15 times. Mm-hmm. And then now its date has been moved to January, February of next year. Mm. And then I think this week they were like, we might just end up on Hulu as a uh, direct release because Hulu is going to be Disney's movie outlet once the deal is done. I, uh, you're confused. Was going to, are we done with that? I was going to move on to trailers. I'm sorry because <laughs> what? I, uh, what? Go back in time that I bet you my superhero corner lasted shorter than Chicago. It did actually. Sorry. <laughs> shorter. So. Um, because I was looking. We can spill over. It's fine. Uh, a child's play down here. Somebody put child's play. Not me. Yes. I Is do. that Chucky? Yes. Okay. So we have. With Aubrey Plaza's in it. Ooh. So we're starting out with Pet Cemetery uh, coming out. Aubrey's good. I, we're, we're into the trailers. We're talking about trailers now. I said trailers. We didn't hear it. We're talking about trailers, <laughs> and then we will put those links on for you. Uh, Pet Cemetery is coming out, and it looks whacked out. I mean, it, it looks like, what are you doing with the movie here? I liked the first trailer because it didn't give too much away. The second trailer gave up way too much. I, I'm just like, I really just don't have an interest in seeing it now. I don't understand what they're doing with the book. I read the book when I was very young. I liked the book, and this is not following the book. <coughs> yeah, there was something that something's been changed in it. And I like John Lithgow. I like Jason Clark. Mm-hmm. But it, the I masks? Just, the, the last, I, the style wise, it looks great. But I think just for me, it's like you showed me way too much in the trailer. I really don't. I don't understand. When forward. you see it, you might see masks. I don't get the masks. He, one of John Lithgow's lines is he said the kids around here have made a ritual or something of it. And they cut to the kids doing the masks. So they, as the kids are taking the, uh, the animals to the burial place, they're all dressed in the masks. That's driving me crazy. The mask would probably be a representation of the kids or animals as well, but maybe what we find out later the is animal that, that they buried. I don't know. Um, pimped. <laughs> that looks weird and scary and bizarre, but it's coming out. Um, you can check that out and Shaft, mm. which. Mm. You know, I can't really speak of. I mean, I saw the trailer, but I'm not really a Shaft guy. Did you see the trailer? That oh, sounded yes. really terrible. I saw it twice. I said, why? <laughs> then I saw it again, like... Hopefully nobody heard that. Why? It's entertaining, but at the same time, it's just a totally different, I think, feel than the first one. And I guess they're passing torch on to this new kid. I'm not sure yet, but it's nice to see Sam and, you know, 
I think they had all generations of Shaft there, right? Yeah, the grandfather, the new one, then the newest one. So it's nice, but it's like, uh, I'm not really, I have no interest in seeing it based on that trailer. Okay. Um, The one that that caught my attention over the last couple of weeks was uh, Hobbs and Shaw. It's the Fast and Furious spinoff with The Rock and Jason Statham. Oh. And it was actually just funny because I didn't know how what they were going to do and how they were going to handle this because, you know, you you know the Fast and Furious tr- franchise just kind of goes on. Mm-hmm. It goes on, but hey, some people like mindless entertainment. However, The Rock and, Sta- and Statham, from what I saw from the trailer, their dialogue back and forth is just funny. I was... I mean, I was dying laughing. This is a car. Jason Wright. I mean, the, the man. We'll have to go see this. The man is who? Your husband? Jason, yeah. My husband, I Jason. second confused for a second. They're both called Jason. Okay, cool. I was just talking about Jason Statham because oh. he's the actor in the film. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Jason, this is right up his alley. Um, so there, it's just, it, it. it's looking like there may be, there, it, it's a very good partnership now, I'm not even talking about like in the Hobbs and Shaw aspect, just as The Rock and Jason Statham or Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham, they seem to have a very good rapport as actors and their bounce back way more than what you got with Vin Diesel and The Rock and then like all these other characters. I can see This that. is a very funny, like think of like two badass agents that are like one's good, one's evil and they get slammed together and they have to go save the world. You know, it's funny what was that movie with uh when they were all bulked up and it was stallone and kurt russell spin no sagan stallone and, and russell that, uh and tango and cash tango and cash <laughs> that's yeah. Right, that's yeah. sorry that was a flash in the past there go oh, ahead that's a really <laughs> flash in the past was that even they're uh, 90 91 that was like bulked up yeah anyway moving on um, yeah, so there's a Child's Play trailer that just came out. I have not watched it. I just kind of saw the, a brief glimpse of the preview for it, but it's got Aubrey Plaza in it. I've never um, even seen a the single. The first teaser okay. I saw for Child's Play looks a little bit weird. So I've never um, seen a Child's Play movie. Now you can. Kind of surprised with you being the horror. I don't like, that looks stupid to me. I'm just going to be honest. Mm. It's a doll. It's a killer doll. I know, but he's so ridiculous looking. That's the point. I mean, at least Annabelle, which I didn't see either. But Annabelle is scary looking. Girls are scarier. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. All right. And there was just stuff coming from the Super Bowl. There's also a a newer Avengers clip that kind of showed us some stuff that we hadn't seen from the last one. Mainly a pissed off uh, Captain America. And them all mourning that everybody was gone. So, I was in bed. I was quarantined. Uh, I didn't watch the Super downstairs. Bowl. It's just I. My annual Monday after Super Bowl is to go on YouTube and start watching all the trailers and stuff that came out. You mm-hmm. could have done that before. You know they had them all. They did not all of them. No, no. They this year nice. they held back a lot of them. Nice. You lied watched all to. Of them. <laughs> like, you li- yeah. you missed some. Okay. Uh, I think that wraps up our News we care about. opening. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> flip over to our recommendation list. Tony, you're up first. So I saw um, the other night, uh, Val, v- sorry. The other night? <laughs> sorry, yeah. 
It was, you mean this morning? Oh, you finished this it morning. up. I finished this morning. Okay. I was like, what? I was going to call it. What I made my nickname for it. I um, tried it. I started it last night. All the days blend into it. Velvet Buzzsaw. So this is uh, Gilroy's latest film after, uh, I guess this could be equated with Nightcrawler, which I talked about on his co- podcast last year sometime. Um, Velvita, wow, let me correct that so I can get it right. Um, Velvet Buzzsaw is a film about the art world, the um, art scene in Miami and L.A. primarily. Um, we have Jake Jonah, Rene Russo. Um, there's a couple of cameos by some other famous people. John Malkovich. Thank you. He's in it, but you can miss him if you don't pay attention. Um, and there's somebody, he, no, he's there's prominent somebody. in the trailer. <laughs> he's not really in the... He's he takes not really, up like a third of the trailer. He's not in it a, a lot. There's somebody else that's huge. So, um... Anyway, yeah. moving on. But, uh, yeah, um, it's... Uh, let me get, I'll sum it up quickly. Basically, we have a art critic, Jake Jonah, who is hmm. basically critiquing art in his savvy way. And he comes across paintings that are... Tony Collette. Yes. Oscar winner Tony Collette. Weird. So um, she kind of disappears a little bit, too, in a weird way. Oh. Um, he's uncovering... He comes across these paintings that are... Um, sorry, spoiler alert. Possessed. And, no. That was our new spoiler <laughs> alert sound. <laughs> yeah. And he... Uh, <laughs> basically, he spends the whole film with his friends, who are also art dealers and whatnot, trying to figure out what these paintings are doing to them. And David, actually, from Hamilton's in it. He's in everything Oh, lately. my gosh. I know. We were, I was watching uh, yeah. with Kendra for a little bit, and she's like, David! Yeah, he's, like, in everything. Like, he's just Freaking popping out. up. Like, he's tr- crossed over himself successfully. But, um, yeah, it's just weird. Um, but it, I will say this. It starts very slowly, like uh, Nightcrawler did, and then it picks up in Act 2, which is great, because that's when the killings start happening. Um, yeah, just, it's very... I'm going to say that it lets you know more on a superficial level what us artists go through when we're creating something. And then if you look at it even deeper, you realize that this is a part of our soul and this is who we are. And we put all of our energy into it. And literally, the artist who created these paintings put his heart and soul and blood and tears into these paintings. And he's, it's all about greed and how people are... Um, how, they, how greed takes them over. And sorry, spoiler alert again. He... The paintings are seeking revenge on people who are greedy. And, uh, I mean, I don't jump, so there are no jump moments for me, but I can see there's a lot of points where you're like, oh, wow. Um, I, there's more of creepy scary than jumpy scary. Just a mixture of both. Really? Yeah. I it, found it comedic. It, there's some moments. Where I mean, it is it's ridiculous. More, it's disturbing. There's a lot of gore scene, but they do a lot of the violence off screen. So you don't see it, which I think saved it from getting like an X rating or something like that. But it's still R in my Jeez. book. But a lot of graphic gore, a lot of, yeah. We saw Jake Janela's butt, which I'm like, wow, I haven't seen that in five years, buddy. But yeah, it's just Brokeback Mountain. So, um, yeah, a lot of risk taking in this movie for the actors involved. But I think it pays off where I would recommend watching it. Just know that first act is going to be a slow, like Nightcrawler. And the same people made it. I thought it was... I, I watched the first part till the first death. I will say that. It picks up after that. Um, but the, I had to do Girl Scout cookie business. Mm. So um, I found it to be hilarious. And he's vlogging through and he's an art critic. Hilarious in a good way or hilarious to the point of like this movie is stupid? 
in a good way. It's okay. making quirky. fun it's of like, it was totally making fun of the art world. It was a total like. Satire. Yes. There we go. This is a satire. I mean, it's making fun of the complete. I mean, they're so ridiculous. And it, 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 I found the people that they were present, like representing were so over the top. If you know people, if you know the art world, you know, then it, I mean, I find it funny moments too, because I know people like, you know, yeah, Jake's character and a couple other people in Renee's character. I know people like that. So you do, I do. I'm not going to say any names because they listen to the yeah, podcast. Don't. But, but they do. just, I know these people. And I mean, I, rec- I respect um, talent. It's just that the over the top, insane uh, critic who comes in and is just saying all these things. It just, it's very funny. You should watch it just for that part. And also you should watch it because if you like Jake Gyllenhaal, there's a nice scene where he's sitting completely naked with a computer. Just You don't see anything. Perfectly. So she's... I know, but it's just Wishful kind of a thinking. nice, it's a nice scene. I mentioned scene. his butt. Wasn't it tasteful enough to I don't, say his butt? But she's I don't care about the butt. I was stuff. just thinking it was cute that he was like laying there with his computer. Just perfectly. Um, perfectly. There's, a, there's another scene too where you can see more if you. I don't really care about the yeah, more. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm just mentioning for people who want to see more and there's more. So, but yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, so my my opinion is that you should see it if you like Jake Gyllenhaal and Renee Russo and Tony Collette and John Malkovich, who's not in it as much as they made him appear to be in the trailer. But it's still good. It's still quirky, like art school confidential quirky. Um, and uh, John Malkovich was just jumping into Netflix stuff. He's in Bird Box, too. They're paying him a lot of money. And plus, he's kind of sick of mainstream stuff now. Yeah. He's gotten to that point where he's... I, I look at it at the same way of how... Um, you've got a lot of actors that have jumped into Showtime and HBO and all these other series that are long form series. No, I don't have gives a problem them an with opportunity it. to just like. I just thought it's because I just saw Bird Box and then I just saw this. He just just real quickly. He's always it. been an actor to me that's always in something. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's constantly putting out a film or show or something. The first time I ever saw him was in Places in the Heart. Hmm. I went to see it. In the Don't movie remember. theater, you should watch it again. It's a devastating but lovely movie. He does a fantastic job. I definitely recommend that to anybody who is a John Malkovich fan. Uh, you should watch that movie. All right, Valerie. Okay, <laughs> I did not get out of my house much at all, and I didn't have my TV on. You would have thought I was sick in bed. I could have just so watched something. But I got into The Americans. It's been uh, recommended to me a couple of times. So I thought, you know, I just want to watch Felicity again. I'm just going to see her face. She is a badass bitch in this thing. Holy crap. Yep. She is awesome. And I didn't look. I, I meant to look up when she made this compared to when she... Um, made the mission, my favorite Mission Impossible with Philip Seymour Hoffman. In the beginning, she is the one um, that Tom Cruise is trying to get out of there. Mm. Michelle. Um, because she has. I'm trying to think when it was the first year Americans was 2013? I don't know. Uh, I should I should have known that, but I didn't because I didn't look it up. But I. It's basically Philip and Elizabeth Jennings. 
they are KGB spies, but they were the, like an arranged marriage, although they're not married. <laughs> um, they're arranged to be together, and then they start falling for one another. Um, it's not... I kind of thought this was going to be... I'm not really sure. I thought it was going to be this serious, but it is pretty darn serious. This is a serious show. This is a... Not your kids should be anywhere near the show. Um, and uh, I was talking to my mom about it. And my mom said she was terrified to watch it because she knows this stuff still goes on. That there are spies among us. Mm. Um, anyway, but this actually takes place in the 80s uh, while Ronald Reagan, uh, just shortly after he was elected president, they even go through the shooting. So I say watch it, and there are how many seasons? I'm in, I'm on season the two. The first season was 2013. Okay. And it just put its last season in now, and just one. Yes, I saw that. That was one of the reasons I wanted to watch and it. And to answer your other question, it was seven years between. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. It's 2006. That's fantastic. She is in great shape. So watch it. Uh, the other guy, that's uh, Carrie Russell, I'm sorry, and Matthew Rice. Am I saying his name right? Rice? Uh, he was in. I two. never heard a correct pronunciation. I've always called it Reese. But. Oh, maybe you're right. Um, to me, he's in Brothers and Sisters, but he's been in tons of other things. But when I kept seeing him, I kept thinking, who is that? It was that so there you go. Um, I think you would enjoy it if you like. Um, I don't know. If you like, if you like thrillers, it's a good, it's a great thriller, and it, and it it even deals with like the functions of a family and how like the a marriage dynamics and the the parenting children and like how that ties into like these two people doing something completely off script and. I also think that they do a fantastic job of leading you to the next show. I mean, they make it so that you can easily binge this movie. It's a great show with multiple threads to follow. And um, like I said, I got through the first three seasons. So I've got a, I'm still, I've just waiting like the last two seasons just to binge everything. Sounds cool. It's on Netflix or where are we going to find this? Um, it's on. Past seasons are on Netflix. Um, I don't think they've uploaded the most recent one They're, there yet, on but it's it. FX is the, the okay. main. It's on Amazon Prime as well. Hmm. Really? That's, no, that's wrong. Hmm? I'm wrong. It's Netflix. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know if they have the last season on there just yet. Okay. I think they should because it's been quite a while. Uh, all right. I had... I had a couple things on there that I could have put, and the however, the one that I decided to talk about is actually Free Solo. Uh, Free Solo is a documentary. It's a National Geographic film by E. Chivas. I can't even sell, say the name. It's yeah. an Indian name, I think. Vasa Harali. Yes, that's um, nice. Good but job. the one that I know is Jimmy Chin. Uh, Jimmy Chin is a, a world-renowned photographer for his adventure photography, and he's been following Alex Honnold for many years um a lot of the shots that you see of the guy like with his back up against the wall standing there or some major climber is generally mostly probably taken by jimmy chin 
Um, and he did this for the National um, Geographic. And it's basically um, Alex is a special, unique kind of climber. Um, he climbs without ropes. Hmm. It's scary as hell um, just to watch him do some of the stuff in this. And is he married? No. Okay. And that's what this deals with. It deals with him and like relationships and how he deals with that's his girlfriend. This is why I was telling you to try to get to the theater, but you were sick because <laughs> this you would have loved this because it delved into. Um, all right. So I'll do that in a second. Um, basically, it, it's following his attempt um, to climb. Um, not the Dawn Wall. Now, why is that stuck in my head? Uh the biggest face in Yosemite. Um, wow, I'm blanking here. I'll come back to you. Because the Dawn Wall just popped into my head. The Dawn Wall is the next wall over. That's okay. Um, you keep but talking. But it's basically a, a 3,000 foot climb up a sheer face. And um, so you have the perspective of Alex. El Capitan. El Capitan. El Capitan. Um, and nobody had free soloed it. Um, nobody had climbed it outside of, uh, a couple of people with some ropes, notably one of the guys that are in the film, um, that actually like helps him work and figure out the best route and how to take it. And it's one thing, you know, I'm not a climber. I've never really gotten into climbing. Um, there's just nothing that's appealed to me. I love mountains. I love, uh, running up them. I love, uh, climbing them in different ways. Um, so to get their, their perspective on like, this is the route you need to take. And you get this glimpse inside Alex's mind of, he memorizes everything. Like he knows exact hold, the placement of the hold be where his right hand's supposed to go, where his left hand's supposed to go. If his thumb needs to move, if his foot needs to be in a certain position, like he has it dialed into a way I've never heard anybody talk about anything except for like somebody doing like something that he memorizes it. Does he like everything, every piece of the climb okay. and he's sitting there. There's a scene of him in the car and he's just reciting it back like do this, 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 okay, this, 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 this. Is it because did you ever Does he take like a digital is he studying it? He's constantly studying it. He's going back to it every day, and he actually keeps like a climbing journal. So you're basically getting a glimpse into his climbing journal as to like what he's doing, and he'll take a certain route, and he'll say, well, this worked, this worked, this didn't work. And then when he's going back through it and saying how he needs to attack it, he just starts memorizing it back into his head. And the offshoot of that is you have – a girl that came into his life. Um, I don't have her name off the hand offhand and how he handles, you know, he, he talks about, he's had girlfriends in the past that come and go, but this is the first one that's kind of stuck around. She knows what she's getting into. She knows who he is as a person. And you start dealing with the, you know, she brings up the question of like, what would make you stop? You know, what would make you say, this is unsafe for me if I want to continue a life with you. 
you know, when you're 3000 feet up in the air and you have to let, you know, you have no ropes or anything holding you. I mean, there, that's the free solo. Like he could die at any second, one little slip. And there's a couple of experiences in there where she went climbing with him as they were scouting out a couple of these. And he had never, in his words, he had never fallen or hurt himself. And he fell twice with her. And he starts questioning, like, is my mind getting distracted because she's now here? I would think so. And how does he deal with that? And then the other side is you have everything's being documented by this film crew that's been following him. Is and he lonely as a person? Does he come across? He, he seems to be at home doing what he's doing. Okay. He, um, but you have Jimmy and all these, these other photographers and videographers that have been following him around, around the world for years and years. And they've been f- set up to film him for this. And you get to the point where, you have everything from the girlfriend side. You have everything from uh, the photographer side. And he basically just, he starts the climb and he stops the climb. He just bails out and he just says, you know, he brings up everything. He's just like, I can't have you guys watching me because you it ends up putting the pressure of like, you saw your friend mm-hmm. lose his grip and fall through the frame mm-hmm. to his death. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want that to be on any of my friends. I don't want to have my friends watching me to my death. Okay. And his experience with the girl is very still kind of off because so I he don't never... think he's settled. He hadn't at that point yet settled into the, I'm doing this because I love it and because I need to verse you're somebody I want to spend the rest of my life with. It was more of like, if I don't do this, I don't know who I'm going to be. Right. And so he chases down that. She and she eventually so How old is he? Mid twenties, maybe early thirties. Oh. I was thinking the thing that would make him stop would be age. No, it, it goes through it it delves into some of his background and how he grew up a little bit. Um and uh but the the kicker for me was is watching the perspective of the the photographers and videographers because they bring it up several times. It's like, we've been climbing with this guy for years and now he's going to do something that is just batshit crazy. I mean, you, there's no other way about it. 3,000 foot climb with nothing to hold you. And you you get close-ups of like, he's trying to hold on just this, basically a fingernail is what he's got his foot just resting on and nothing holding him there, but the pressure of his body up against the wall. And the use... filmmakers are just like, you know, what do you do? What do you do when you see your, your best friend just fall through the frame? And so when they finally go and do the, the final shoot, they set up remote cameras along the whole route and they've got a 10,000, 10,000 zoom lens that they're doing the video from this big open field pointed at El Capitan and the videographer the whole time, he's moving the camera, but he's turned away from the camera the whole time because he just can't watch it. And so uh, just yeah. like me, like my level of anxiety watching this film was sure. just through the roof. And what made it even like better was like it was an IMAX. Yeah. And so I got to see like it was just huge. It was like me That'd and like cool. five other people in this whole theater. Damn. Um, I thought it was a very well put together documentary. I highly recommend it. Um, it's 
locally it's out of IMAX. I don't know. I mean, if you're listening to this, maybe they still have an IMAX somewhere. I doubt it. It's coming out on um, iTunes rental comes out. I don't think this Tuesday, it might be the next Tuesday, Um, but it'll be out before the Oscars come out. Um, I wanted to take my daughter to go see it because she, she was really pumped. Um, But we ended up with a conflict of something and I was out by the IMAX like with 15 minutes before the movie show started and I said I'm going uh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, it, it's just one Sucker. of those like you have the opportunity and you're there I'm going to take it I had sure. two hours that I could spare I went and watched it and I'm glad I did it's one of the best documentaries I've watched in regards to adventure anything ever and in terms of like the Oscars I think it's probably the one that should win I mean it it tells a good story. It lets you delve into this mind of somebody that's doing something that's way outside of the norm and how he deals with it, his relationship with those around him. Question. When he decides not to finish, like crest, is that what you call it? The first time, yeah. Does he crest? Yeah, eventually. That's the second time when they set up all the remote cameras. Oh. Okay, well, I thought that he totally bails, and I was wondering if you were relieved or if you were let down. It's real. It's weird watching this movie because if you know who he was and you know the, the thing, they, you know, he finishes. You okay. know, he makes it up the climb. Okay, but even still, the whole time, your heart is just like I was so tense, just like because you know, just like. Any little slip. Jason and I love watching these movies together, so this will be a good one. This is just crazy. I mean, there's there's climbing with ropes. You know, there's Everest and stuff like, you know, that are just crazy-ass climbs. Crazy. This is just in a different category. Seeing somebody that is that dedicated and that talented. We saw Alan. Like, you down. literally can't make a mistake hmm. the whole time. You can make a mistake with ropes. You can't make a mistake like he was climbing. And it's just. And they go through, they, they make a point and they go through like, these are like, I saw like 30 to 40 of my friends die and they start talking about like all these guys that were climbers and like the mistakes that they made. And and he's like, is it, you know, is he going to keep going or is he going to make mistakes? Is the girl going to be the cause of him losing his focus of, and that, that's a real concern for somebody that's doing a sport like that. He's worried about her safety and that he's thinking about that. Hatsman's in the Americans as well. So <laughs> highly recommended for me. Highly recommended. So cool. Okay. Today's stew is brought to you by Valerie me. So I try to be, I'm a writer who is not writing. May not make any sense, but I think it makes sense. I actually think it makes sense to some people. Um, I kept saying, I don't know what I am, but um, they say, if you wake up wanting to write, you think about everything as writing. Actually, you know, I have been writing because I, I took a, I have, I took a writer's book class and I have been writing, um, I took writing illness and it was fascinating and I, it did get me to write some stuff. So I have been writing. Um, and I wanted to deal with, um, 
I realized that some of my favorite movies are <laughs> different from your, um, movies about writers. What was that under the breath thing? The end of the breath thing was different than you. Ron said, I'm, only bringing, that, that I'm only bringing that out because <laughs> I just said, somebody mentioned that at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I always have these end of the breath things and nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. Um, Ron said, I just realized I just don't like that. But I, mean, I don't like films about writing and I love them. I always have. And there's movies actually that I, that have writing like a, like a family member writing or a person writing or like a, like one true thing, Renee idolizing her father who's a writer and she's trying to write and, you know, et cetera, things. I love that. Um, but I just wanted to dive into those um, types of movies. So um, there are so many movies about writers. Um, so I'm not sure how to go about this except for maybe start out with I'm just going to list some of, um, I'm going to list some movies about writers. If you are interested in watching movies about writers, um, you have to get ready to get out your pencil and paper, but some of those we will be talking about. Most of them we will not. So we have, uh, Shakespeare in Love, Almost Famous, The Player, The Shining, Stand By Me, Stranger Than Fiction, all the President's Men, Sideways, Death Trap, As Good As It Gets, Barton Fink, My Left Foot, Finding Forrester, Burn After Reading, American Splendor, Adaptation, Wonder Boys, Romancing the Stone, Capote, The Hours, Misery, Sunset Boulevard, The World According to Garp, love that, uh, Sophie's Choice, Missing, The Odd Couple, Sleuth, Squid in the Mail, I it could go on. Deconstructing Harry, Midnight in Paris, Philadelphia Story. I'm now skipping down the list. The Accidental Tourist, The Way We Were. It could go on and on. But um, Finding Neverland is actually a lot of people's favorites. And um, I like Shadowlands. Anyway, so those are a lot of movies you could, you know, dive in and start watching if you'd like. Um, so I kind of just said to the guys that we should just talk about, uh, some of our favorites or at least favorites and then maybe talk about one that we all seem to enjoy. Um, I like the hours, which is about Virginia Woolf and, uh, Nicole Kidman won her Oscar for that movie. Um, it's Michael Cunningham book. Uh, I read the book first and, uh, I recommend that one. Wonder Boys has Michael Douglas uh, and Kitty Holmes. And I'm going to say Spider-Man. The Toby. First one. Toby McGuire. Thank you. Um, I really enjoy that. Oh, and it has Frances McDormand. She's fantastic in it. Um, I love all the President's Men. Grew up with it. I just love that. As good as it gets. I love her frustration. I love her dedication. I love the fact that she is, I just like her ups and downs. But I love Diane Keaton. She plays Diane Keaton well. Um, Moulin Rouge is a definitely a different type of kind of, of movie about writing. But it's about writing. I mean, we've got the 
typewriter. We've got him going through all the stuff. And then Midnight in Paris, um, I did really enjoy this movie. I, I thought that um, it was done well. I, I loved the fact that he is disillusioned. Like he can't, he can't get his novel together. Um, but he goes back and he sees like his favorite, his favorite authors like uh, Fitzgerald. And, and uh, there's a great quote about writing Hemingway says to him, no subject is terrible if the story is true, if the prose is clean and honest, and if it affirms courage and grace under pressure. I just thought that was kind of cool. But so uh, it's really cool to kind of see him travel back in time and meet all these people and the way they portray them. And I don't know. I thought it was kind of fun. So those were my favorites. Uh, you want to pick? Up, Tony? Well, let's see here. So I, for my favorites, I put Capote, American Splendor, uh, Adaptation, Trumbo. And I know it's kind of far-fetched to say, but As Good As It Gets has uh, Mevin, who, uh, Meville, who is actually a writer. Yeah. They don't really talk about it much, but he is struggling to write his... I did that wrong, didn't chick I? lit story. What are you... Hmm? Nothing. Go ahead. I um, think I did that wrong. struggling to write his um, story for women, and he's interrupted several times in the beginning so he's a writer but they don't talk about it that much in the film but it's one of my favorites i mixed up my movies i'm so sorry as good as it gets is they still have jack nicholson in it i apologize and the one that i'm thinking of with uh, with um blondie with with diane keaton is where she's trying to um Keep going. I can tell you what they fall in love. (laughs) They fall in love because she uh, ends up beating up by up by accident. You're talking about um, and it was like he like walks in on her by accident. and she's dating her younger daughter. Yes. Um. Yeah. Something's got to give. Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry. As good as it gets. Yes, I love that movie. (laughs) So confused. Like it's been a while since. And everybody's thinking, what the hell is she doing? Okay, so um, something's got to give is what I was trying to say. But yes, as good as it gets. Spotlight's I good too. Put on here too. And Spotlight. I know. It, we could go on. Go on. Because as good as it gets was, that was 97, 98. That's right? when he with, has. Um, that was with Helen Hunt. It was on. She got her Hunt. Oscar for that as well as for, she got her Emmy. And who did the music? Hans Zimmer. And what's his bucket? <laughs> what's his bucket guy? Didn't he get, was it he was nominated or did he get who? the Oscar? Oh. Um, for supporting. Cuba got that for uh, a different movie. That was uh, Greg Tom. Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Did he? Yeah, I, th- I think I he know did. I think he at least got a nom, but yeah. I do remember. He Cuba was great won the year movie. before. Well. He was great that in that movie. Um, and I had Capote, but since we're going to be dealing with yep. that, I didn't say it. Go ahead, Ron. Um, I had American Splendor. Um and I think it has more to do with my love of Paul Giamatti. Good actor. Um, and uh, Shakespeare in Love. I just thought it, I liked the movie. I know oh, Anthony doesn't, but I liked the movie as in general. I like Shakespeare in Love too. And uh, as you went through your list, I'm like, oh, yeah, I really love Misery. I do I, too. I like, completely my... like, forget that, yeah, it's a, he's a writer. And uh, Misery's on my, my, what is that? 
list that I was just saying. Top ten. Going to have. If, it was, if there was a top ten, yes. And yes, Shakespeare in Love is up there. I happen to forget to write it down. But yes. And and Capote, I guess. I mean, as I mentioned to you, I, I don't watch or remember a lot of like, hey, this is a movie about writers. I have a lot of connection to it. Um, whereas I can watch something like Free Solo and I feel like I have a connection sure. between an adventure guy and also the filmmaker the side. Yeah. Um, but writing, I've never really had a huge connection, but I have enjoyed movies and those were the ones that really pop out to me. Of the movies that you listed, Tony, do you feel that there is one that um, best depicts um, your experience as a writer? I think um, Adaptation does a good job explaining the screenwriting point of view, more so than uh, Trumbo and a couple others. Um, like you personally? Personally, Adaptation, I think, is a good representation of screenwriting because Nick Cage's character is actually literally struggling to write a screenplay the whole film, and his twin brother is trying to help him. He's going to seminars, wasting money at seminars, and um, listening to gurus and getting all this input, and nothing's what he's thinking in for him. Uh, yeah. Capote's good for the, you know... The duality of being a writer, of being honest to yourself and true to yourself, but at the same time, how it can hurt people and how that lifestyle can cause massive damage if you're not careful. Um, I I need to worry about that later, though. I don't want to go too. I mean, I don't want people to think that I'm anywhere. I'm, I was going to say the hours only because I. At the time I watched it, I I haven't rewatched it lately because I so I have hard times watching it. If that makes sense, yeah. because sometimes I can get too. Yeah, it's a hard emotional film. Too. It's because I can get wrapped up into it and then feel all those feelings that I felt. I don't know. It's kind of crazy, but um, there's a part where she lays down next to a dead bird, and she looks into its eyes, and it's just. Um, it's her writings and I've been re- listening to her writings and reading her writings and just her outlook on, uh, the everyday life and her struggles with depression. And I, um, don't struggle as much now that I did when I was a kid, maybe like right now I am, but I'm saying, <laughs> as a kid but I think that um, it's a great portrayal of her life and there's I can't believe I didn't even bring this up Uh, the fact that they're going back and forth and we have Meryl Streep who's dealing with her sick ex um, Ed Harris and there are three stories going on. And the other is Julianne Moore, who is very unhappy in her marriage. And they each depict certain different types of stories. Uh, I would say, I don't know, Mrs. Dalloway is definitely the Meryl Streep kind of thing. Um, but I don't know Julianne Moore's character as far as unless we are dealing with the same boy. 
if the boy, I can't remember, is the boy and Julianne, um, in her story, I think it, yes, I think it's actually Ed Harris. That's she's his mother, I think, isn't she? Yes, she's his mother, but the little boy and grows up to be Ed Harris. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, so we understand where he came from. But watching those three women go through those three different uh, things, uh, different times of life and different frustrations, different feelings about things, I think is makes it good for a movie. Yeah, it is. I like it. So, but we were all going to, we all liked Capote. Can I say? Yes, go ahead. Um, the reason why I, like, I put American Splendor first is because American Splendor, I feel, is a more or, how do I say it, organic way of writing that mm-hmm. most people see and writers feel. So I think it's, that's the most genuine disp- depiction of what writing is like. Um, Harry actually is Pajimani. Harvey. Yeah, sorry, my brain. Yeah, Harvey is, you know, has a normal job. In and out, bored, just restless in Ohio, and he his wife leaves him. That's not funny. It's not funny, but she leaves him, and he loses his voice, and he's struggling, still shuffling to his job, and he has this breakthrough where he realizes that everything around him is inspiration. Like they literally have the comic infused mm-hmm. into you know real life, so you can see his inspiration coming, and he goes home and he starts writing this all out, and then he finds you know Crom who helps him illustrate everything, and it's just a natural, organic like this is my life, and I'm going to make do with it and write about it. And he does, and it works. And he's still working that you know job in the hospital doing filing. I call it filing, but something else more better name than that. But he's still working that job while getting popular. Hmm. And the, the one piece of advice that, that always sticks with me, and I'm not a writer, but it, it's something I've heard many times and I try to apply it to anything I do is, is to write what you know. Yeah, yes. You know? Don't try to like make up things you don't. And I think that's Harvey's experience in that is very much like, wow, I have a gold mine here. Life sucks. I'm going to write about it. And, it, you know, I think it there's a bravery in it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I think there's bravery in writing what you know, especially if you're going through something and writing what you're going through makes it real. So I, mean, he I had think cancer and he wrote our cancer year. Depicting what happened during that process, Joyce's you know wife was helping him, and his you know daughter you know were all just helping him through the treatments, and he wrote about it, and it was one of his best comics ever. So it's just like Russ said, writing what you know, it's using your resources wisely, and like I said, it felt organic to me. It felt like that's what writing is really like. That struggle to, and he was there were points where he wasn't writing anything, and he was still fishing in his head for something. Um, and Paul Giamatti was awesome because I think Paul is one of the only actors I know, not personally, but just I watch where he's so off-putting, but at the same time, you still are drawn to him. It's that whole, like, you're so mean and can be cold and cool, but you still want to listen to him, still want to be there with him. Even in Sideways, which I love that movie, he's kind of crusty, but you're still approachable. That whole, like... I didn't know he had cancer. Yeah, there's a... Um, it's a good movie. You should watch it. I'm well. Yeah. I just moved it yeah. to the top of my list. But, I, but he had cancer and he was struggling with that. And huh. he wrote Crom and said we should just illustrate this. And they wrote. He wrote and drew about it. And I have to watch it this evening. Actually, I because I can't. It's hard. Yeah. 
I mean, they don't really go really that into detail with it. I don't think don't. I don't recall. It's just they mention it and then he makes it into a comic book. So, mm-hmm. so it's not like in depth like treatments or anything. It's just him deciding this is something we should write about. So, cool. But good movie. That sounds great. All right. Should we talk about our media of the week? Sure thing. Okay, so we all had Capote on our list, so I thought we should talk about Capote, which is uh, came out in 2005, biographical film, uh, about Truman Capote, uh, directed by Bennett Miller. <sighs> it's uh, It follows the events of his life that when he was writing in cold blood, um, he was actually, uh, good friends with Harper Lee. Um, they were neighbors. He actually, um, she based or he based, she based a character on him in her book. (sighs) That's an interesting little go between. Um, Anyway, Philip Seymour Hoffman won several awards for that, including the Academy Award for Best Actor. Uh, And it was based on Gerald Clark's biography, Capote. It was filmed mostly in Manitoba in the autumn of 2004. Anyway, it was released September 30th, 2005, uh, to coincide with Troop and Capote's birthday. So... Um, I don't know how many, well, there's a lot of people outside of the New York state, not outside the Rochester area that may not know that, um, Truma Capote is actually a Fairport. So Rochester. So that's Seymour Hoffman. What did I say? Truman Capote. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm so sorry. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, he grew up in Fairport, which is a. Like I'm in Pinfield, they have all these little villages in Rochester. So he's a beloved Rochester uh, artist. So they do a lot of things around here uh, occasionally to um, commemorate him. Was that? Yeah, I, I guess to um, let young people understand his the legacy he left behind, and also to. Um, Foster new talent. I mean, there's a lot of talent in Rochester, but a lot of young people feel left out. So, you know, you go to some things, you sit there and you think, hmm, I don't know. I did. I just kept thinking, so did he used to come here when he was young? And did he, you know what I mean? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Um, Obviously, he was, uh, Well, I liked him in doubt as well. Didn't he do? He, I'm not sure if he won. He was nominated. He was, he was nominated. nominated. Yeah, that was his last nomination, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have the year that he passed away. I just didn't write it down. But so um, 2012. Oh, if I don't give me one second. It was a shock. Yeah, I, I liked Phyllis Seymour Hoffman as an actor. From the the, the first time I saw him was in Twister. <laughs> oh really? Yes. Dust, oh yes, Dusty. yes, yes, yes. I like him in that. Um, I remember how big a, a thing that was for like locally. Everybody's like, "Yeah, he's in a major movie." And then, uh, you know, I I really loved him 
in uh, in Mission Impossible. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's the one. I, a he great villain. was phenomenal. That, but yeah. he, um, he plays his comedy well. He play, he actually he just I just he had been clean for a long time, and I just my heart breaks for. I think he's a, he's a great character actor, and I think Capote was perfect for him. You know, as it showed, and he rightfully got the Oscar for the it. Oscar for it. So when you're in Kansas as a young person, you see the old movie that came out about In Cold Blood. It's in black and white. It's awful. Um, Is it called In Cold Blood as well? I think so. Okay. I don't remember honestly. I remember sitting and watching it and thinking this is awful. Um, you learn about it. You, we, um, Jason and I actually read it um, in Chicago and rereading it in my 20s, it really bothered me just because the family um, that is murdered, um, gosh, they reminded me so much of one of my best friend's families. Like they just were the same type of family. Um, but I would say that I wanted you to expand on what you were saying earlier about um, becoming involved in your work and the struggle between separating it. Yes. Um, well, from my point of view, I write screenplays and plays and um Sometimes you get so immersed in your research that you can't step out of it. Like I get to the point where I become like a not an expert expert on things, but I get to the point where I pretty much know everything I can about a subject. So when I'm writing dialogue, it becomes natural for me to write the dialogue for the character. So it's not like, oh, what they say? Like I know how this character speaks, and I know enough information so I can gear it in their way of their syntax, their grammar, their accents, that kind of thing. Um, in Truman's case, though, I feel like he was so attached, attracted, immersed, enamored, obsessed with, you know, one of the... Um, Why do you think so? I think he felt a little bit... He There's a quote in the film where he said that, you know, we both were living in the same house, just you went out the back door, I went out the front. Um, mm-hmm. I think he felt close to him in that way. But there's that whole selfishness in Gopoda 2 where he was famous, he wanted to be famous. So he wanted to write this book... And again, this is one of the first crime novels that came out. There have been others since, like Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which is one of my favorite novels. Um, where damn good movie too. Uh, Clint could have done better, but we're gonna move on. Um, it, it's good for what it I is. I liked it too, <clears throat> but I wish it had done more. Um, but I get both sides where he wanted to finish his project, but at the same time, he wanted the best ending possible. And he knew the best ending would be these men being, you know, hanged and executed. So he didn't really try to save them. He could have used his, you know, famous, his, to get these men a stay of execution, but he didn't. He wanted that ending because he wanted that for his book. His writing was more important than life itself. Yes, and, and people. And people, even so, Harper even says in the film that you care more about that than this. And she he, still loves him, but she knows how he really is and his real personality. And he basically gives himself credit for her writing. Yeah, to kill Mockingbird. Yeah, 
whatever. And there were also, just you know, there was uh, another film that came yes. out around the same time that had Toby and Sandra in it, he which was, was kind of fan- awkward, which he had the right stature, but didn't really pull Phil's. I thought film. he did. I thought the movie was good, though. It was. But, it was. Yeah. I thought he did a good job, actually. I'm I know. I well, of course. Yeah. Uh, the book was published in 1966. For those listening, that wasn't Toby Mcguire. Yeah. No, English it was not Toby, Toby Maguire. But his um, name is Toby. The the murders were in 1959. There were the four members of the Herbert Clutter family. Um, I actually had a Clutter in my class uh, who was related. And because uh, I went, I spent three years of my life in Topeka, Kansas, and um, Corey Clutter was in my class, and they were, he was related, but he, he's pretty much trained not to talk about anything, so he never spoke about anything, because I knew stuff, because my mother was going through law school, but, um, so anyway, there's a cool story that I will eventually get to you. I just could not reach the man because he was fishing and his phone was off. My father. The man. Second shout out. <laughs> yeah. The man. There's no distinguishing. He's like the man. Like, so I'm Jason about, who? I'm about to say it. Uh, the man, me, my father, who's out fishing today and I should have called him yesterday. I know. Anyway, he had the book already. He had bought the book before. And uh, Truman Capote came to the University of Kansas uh, to, I don't know if he read, but he definitely signed books. So I'm sure he read. My father, there is an interesting story around this, but I don't know what it is because I can't remember, but I will get it to you. Uh but there, my my father has a signed book by Juma Capote, which is pretty damn cool. Um, it's just in Kansas. That's we're known for the Wizard of Oz and in Cold Blood. I mean, pretty much. In the center of the United States, not really. In Smallville. No, I believe, no. I believe there is. We're a- not really known for Smallville. No, like the things that I mean, in Cold Blood's huge, right? I mean, that's huge and it terrifies everyone. So I read it and it's terrifying to me. Like I was shaking hmm. because, I mean, it's, you grew up with these p- people. I mean, it's uh, this type of uh, area where they lived is where we lived. I mean, I lived in town, but right outside, I mean, you've got these farmhouses and hmm. It's, uh, it bothers me. <laughs> the killers, I'm not, I don't know. I know I'm weird. I'm just not going to mention their names, but they were arrested six weeks after the murders and later executed in Kansas. So, yeah, we learn about this uh, a little bit. And then they say, um, I was going to say something and I completely it went out of my brain but I would say that um, Hoffman's character Truman no I his portrayal of oh. 
of the character. I lost him in it. I no longer thought of him. He's very engaging. Right. I never. Lo- I mm-hmm. I forgot that he was Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's when I always know that I that the movie's got me when I've completely forgotten that that's who is what's going what's going on. So, um, I say if you haven't seen it, it's disturbing, but I think you should watch it. Um, Absolutely, highly recommended by everybody at this table. Correct. Yeah, he is a complicated. Man, he also wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. So that's just... Well, this novel changed his life. Random. Not just celebrity status, but like he saw everything after this. I think he started, he was in depression a lot. He was not able to sleep and the guilt got to him pretty bad. So I don't think he lived much longer after this came out. So Like maybe a decade or so, but I'm not even sure the numbers. But I just know that I heard that he was not able to be this. He was insane after it happened and was drinking more, more smoking and... It was yeah. weird because he and he and Harper Lee were so close. They were such close friends all growing up. And then when this happened, they he totally cut her out of his life completely. A lot of people, yeah. Um, which is sad. And then takes credit for her stuff, and it, it you can listen to a lot. You can find out a lot of information about. Um, the history afterward, but definitely watch the watch the movie. Okay. Our uh, <clears throat> next stew is actually just going to be an Oscar show. Mm. So the one thing I've asked everybody at the table to do, including myself, is to pick something that's nominated that we haven't seen, and we'll each do a quick little synopsis of that, and we'll run through the. The Oscar categories, make our picks, and put it out before Oscar Day. Mm-hmm. So let's reach into our grab bag. Looks like we got Kids Corner. We do have a Kids Corner. So Zoe got sick first. So uh, the second day of the sickness, you basically lay on the couch. I didn't, but she laid on the couch and watched Just Add Magic. It's on Amazon Prime. It's adorable. She watched the entire fourth season. It's about three friends, Kelly, Darby, and Hannah, who discover a cookbook in the attic, and uh, the recipes have magical effects. Um, These are good kids. I mean, these are good girls. Uh, They learn about cause and effect, and um, it's actually, I feel it's fun to watch with the entire family. I sat down with her just to be with her and found it addicting. I was ready to go to the next episode. I I would watch this myself. I mean, it's, it's yes, it's a kids show, I guess, because it has kids in it. But it also has adults in it um, that it has the mother from... See, every time I see her, I go, oh my gosh, it's the mom from E.T. But that's... She's the grandmother um, of one of the main characters, the mom from E.T. Do you know what I'm talking about? The yeah, blonde. I don't have her name off the top of my head. I don't either. But she's, she, yeah, she's in it. Um, actually, they have a lot of, yeah, some good, some good actors in there. So I would uh, recommend it if you like a little fun magic, not too dark. It's not doesn't give you anything creepy, and uh, you can watch it with everybody. Fun stuff. Fun, fun. Mm-hmm. Anything to grab bag from you? 
Um, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. Season four debuted February 1st. So. I still haven't gotten to watch Roman Empire on um, Netflix, so I'll be watching that. I caught a little bit of disobedience with Rick and Wise. So. <laughs> In the yeah. grab bag? Oh, no, sorry. I'm, it's okay. Do you have anything in the grab bag? You have anything you've been listening to or any mm, books? No, I've been reading, but not anything worth talking Nothing about. Nothing worth sharing. You do have no books? They're academics. They're boring. Okay. Game, mm. app, nothing? Nothing. Nothing here oh. right now. It's been a slow, oh. and I haven't caught up to anything yet. So, I've been still on Webtoon, which is an app. You can also watch it and look at the stuff on your desktop. So there's no excuse now. Webtoon is now on your desktop as well as on your phone, Android, Web- and mm-hmm. it's for webcomics. And I've been reading Let's Play, which is very, very, very funny and clever. And you don't have to know anything about anime to enjoy it. It helps, but you don't. And then I've also been watching um, My Dictator Boyfriend, which is about a (laughs) bodyguard and the king emperor of a a European nation. And it's just how they are particularly together. But yeah. And also it's like a communist state. So he can't be gay, can't be this and that. But everyone kind of knows, but they don't know. And Webtoon, W-E-B-T-U-N-E? T-O-O-N. Oh, T-O-O-N. So. Just kidding, I knew that. But yeah. Just please, guys, just, you know, check out some cartoons. They help your day go better and make you smile and laugh when you're really stressed out. So. All right, moving into what's on your radar and what's in your queue. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I dump sharks. I do we'll follow up with Tony. Skis. What's um, on your radar and what's in your queue? Oh, guys, Super Bowl last week. Didn't watch it. I was falling asleep, which... Bad this show. I fell asleep during the halftime show too, which was bad. Um, Chiefs were in it, so oh, he on. gives you, a you didn't shit. stay up for Adam Levine's uh, stripping Levine? off his shirt. He was wearing Levine. a curtain, Levine. but that's Levine? A, Levine. wearing a couch or a curtain fabric. I don't I know what he was it, wearing. That you don't know how to say his name. Levine, that's Levine? fantastic. Adam, Rune I watched so obsessed with them. So I just saw the picture of all of his tattoos in California. California. <laughs> I still, I still can't get over the Chiefs game. So I. I it's too depressing. And me. I don't watch football. So. <laughs> I don't really either, but the Bills have been, yeah. So. Well, my brother-in-law works for the Chiefs. Yeah. So. You've got to root for them. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And I have a kid at school who basically is like a fair weather Patriots fan. So he, I said, he watches basketball and he's like, I like basketball too. Who do you like? I said, I like the Bulls. He said, well, I'm like, who do you like? Golden State. I'm like, okay, who's your favorite athlete, player? Steph Curry. I'm like, yeah, you're a fair weather fan. So Patriots. They won whatever, Tom Brady, blah, 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 check, blah. Boring. Like Rent, but worse. So, um, not the show Rent. Everybody rent keeps saying that, but you know what? They're the ones that keep winning. Yeah. <laughs> so, not, I can't fault them for being good. Like it's like I hate the Yankees, but... They lost eventually. They win. So you hate the Yankees? I hate the Yankees. Don't even get me started mm-hmm. on that. So, I'm a baseball... Well, the Red Sox are not in New Yankees. Just so Thank you know. God Kendra's so. not in here. She would attack you probably. She tried to attack me. So um, here's She's thing. from the... Wait, right. My, uh, my oh. nephew, Derek, he's named after Derek Teeter. We're going to talk about sport-related films later. Not right, not today. Um, I still have Roman Empire and Shizzle and Disobedience from Netflix on my queue. And uh, What yeah. is Shizzle? It's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a shit it's a foreign Film. documentary f- uh, about Jer- was it Jerusalem or is it is just Israel in general Israel in general yeah okay are you still trying to watch Dis- yeah. Disobedience yeah mm-hmm. um, I- I've come across that a couple <laughs> times <laughs> I say the same thing Shitzel yeah, <laughs> like so, wait that's not how it's pronounced how do we oh, pronounce oh how do you this? say it 
It's Steisel, isn't it? Steisel. Oh my gosh. So, sorry. My wife corrected me. <laughs> sorry, guys. Oh. <laughs> oh, there's no I before the T. That's ridiculous. Here my, I, I don't have dyslexia, but my uh, instantly put the I before the T. It it's does. just American is American. It's the thing we do. Harper has been trying to learn how to read, and she does the same thing. Um, what else? I am listening to Danish 101, so I'm learning Danish in my spare time. So it's my audio listening to. Is that getting written into your screenplay? No, okay. I just, You're just learning, learning Danish. Danish. It's kind of phonetically like Tony English. likes to just pick up stuff. I I'm gonna, do. you know, I'm gonna become Learn a Danish. hockey player. I'm I played be- hockey before, so that's different. I'm learning Danish because I'm bored. So you're bored. My brain is gets bored, so I do things to keep it engaged. Danish is keeping me engaged. Wow, so. cool. But Are yeah. you going to go anywhere to use it? No, I just have a friend whose mother is Danish, and she speaks clickable Danish. So we're going to be going back and forth and speaking it, and she'll help me pronounce it correctly. And I can read it fine and write it fine. It's just speaking You can it. read it and write it fine already. Yeah. How long have you been studying? Since New Year's. I really hate you. I, uh, I just... That's amazing. All right. Uh, so me, I watched um, a really great show that just debuted on Netflix called Russian Doll. It's got, um, I can't remember if her name is Natalie or Natalia. She's from Orange is the New Black. She's the redhead. Okay. Um, as the great. lead character. Um, and it actually has a bunch of people from Orange is the New Black. <laughs> new there. show. I just, I'm like, new show. There's like five or six people in this. Really? Yeah, but they're they're really good. Um, you know what? It's a fantastic show. It's basically think of Groundhog Day, but darker and weirder. Um, and she, ba- they, the main characters basically die. Oh, I just spoiled a part of it. The Thanks. main character dies and then comes back and restarts from the same same point over and over and over and over. There's and over. actually a book that I just saw that's just like that. Um, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. It's weird, but it's good. Um, I think it's really well made. The dialogue is great. Um, watched another show uh, called Dark Tourist, uh, just kind of a junk show that I was watching on Netflix. But I said to my wife, I said, I'm pretty sure me and this guy, if we met in real life, we'd be friends. He's just got my sense of humor about people. Who is it? Um, I don't even know his name. What's he, it about? He He basically goes around the world to different like dark tourist places. So like, um, what is it? Think of like place? going to a Manson tour, uh, like a Charles Manson oh. like tour, or another one. He like went to the JFK assassination and went on one of their tours that they do. Oh my and, god, like, my friend, my um, my friend, she is my. He friend. met. Uh, he went down to Mexico or not Mexico, Colombia, and did a um, Pablo Escobar tour. And you know, he's having a conversation with one of the guys that was one of Pablo's assassins. Jen would love, but this. he's. The way he interprets some of the things and way he says stuff is like, this guy's got my just sense of humor, just straight on, like how he thinks. Of it. Like, he meets these preppers in South Africa who are like obsessed with, you know, the African culture taking over and their, their whole thing is being preppers. And then he comes over to the United States and he basically meets another prepper group. <laughs> and it's the comparison that between these two things, it's just funny. But if you have like nothing in your queue and you have time to spare, it's funny enough to watch. And he's from New Zealand. And I think New Zealanders are just hilarious to begin with. (laughs) I haven't, I don't think I've met a New Zealander that's not funny. My sister in law, Jen, this is right up her alley. And so is Webtoon. 
There's a couple on there like they delve in. You're like, man, this is some dark. I can't believe people are into this kind of stuff. And he taps into it a little bit. Um, then I watched another um, a documentary about the Fire Festival mm. um, that was on Netflix, and that was actually really good. Um, but Fire Festival was a, a thing that just kind of exploded last year and was backed by some. It's just it's hard to explain. Just if you have interest in documentaries, it's a good documentary. I don't so. know what the Fire Festival is. Yeah, just watch it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, You're not going to say what it is. Okay. It was the th- that is really. I'll put it this way: the people who ran the fire festival don't know what the fire festival <laughs> is. Is this? The, this does this happen out in the desert? It's not Burning Man. No, that's Burning Man. Fire okay. festival. They bought an island that used to belong to Pablo Escobar and decided to bring a whole bunch of musicians and really expensive oh. tickets and all this stuff to come down to this island. And threw it together in basically six weeks. So it's like Magical weeks. Mystery Tour oh. on... And they basically threw it together in six weeks. Hmm. So think how well that went. Wow. Okay. But it's an interesting dive into like the guy who's behind it all and like them peeling off the layers of who this guy is. This is on Net- Netflix? Netflix, yeah. There's actually two of them that came out on the same day. I think there's one that came out on Amazon Prime or Hulu. And then the good one is on Netflix, though. You had net Netflix. Okay. But every all That's those funny. all Sorry. those three things were all off of Netflix. Cool. Um on my radar, since our next one is about the Oscars, which means we're probably not gonna be recording again until March tenth. So this covers a lot of stuff on my radar. It's Alita. It's my, my fault. Sorry, kids. No. Nah, it's life. Alita um is coming out this week and I'm hesitant. I don't like three D. Um What is Alita? Alita is, um, it's got, who's our favorite, um, German, Austrian. Uh, That's uh, Christopher Waltz. Christopher Waltz is oh. in it. Um, and the lead character, Alita, is actually, she's all computer generated. And it's basically based off an anime, I believe. Hmm. Um, but I don't watch 3D films because I just haven't Oh, this found is coming out one. in the theaters? In the theaters. comes out this week. Okay. And somebody I respect said it's the best film he's ever seen. Very well, good use of it. So I'm kind of on the fence of, and it's in 3D IMAX this week. But uh, Captain Marvel will be out on the 7th of March. Mm -hmm. And Fighting With My Family. I want to see that. I want to see that. I think it looks fun. Nick Frost is one of my favorite uh, funny men out there. And uh, we'll probably eventually see a Lego movie too. Why it's out in theaters. I'll probably see it just to get out of the house. I enjoyed the first Lego movie. I enjoyed they're the funny. Batman Lego movie. They're kind of so. goofy. Yeah. They're fun. I mean, they, there's some funny, <clears throat> funny parts in there. Um, in my queue, a bunch of Oscar movies releasing over the last couple of weeks, so I'm pretty sure we'll be renting some and catching up. Um, on the 15th, we have a double release. We have Umbrella Academy being released on Netflix, and we have Doom Patrol released on DC Universe. What is Umbrella Academy? They're based off comics. Both of these are. Doom yes. Patrol, okay. So yes. Umbrella Academy is the one I talked about last week, or last time. It's the one that Gerard Way from Chemical, My Chemical Romance was the writer. Oh. He wrote I the comic. Totally blanked that out. That's okay. Cool. I'm used to it. Not by you, but by people in general. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then Doom Patrol is... Uh, DC Comics. Okay. So it's their second installment of um, 
a live action TV show that was specifically made for the DCU streaming platform. Their first one was um, Titans. Okay. So this is their next one. And it's got, uh, <sighs> who is our Encino Man? Played Encino Man. I know who you're talking about. And he also was Mummy in The Mummy. Yes. Brandon Fraser. Oh. Plays Mr. Roboto. Mr. He's also in School Ties. I haven't seen him in a while. Sorry. So he play, he plays Mr. Robot in this. And Mr. then uh, one of the old James Bonds, Timothy Dalton. Is in it. <laughs> Sorry. My, um, my mother. And Timothy Bolton was not a good James Bond, but. My mother went to, she was in London and saw Timothy Dalton in The Taming of the Shrew. Just a little factoid. Cool. Um, watched. Well, I watched the Americans and Bohemian Rhapsody came out. So my daughter, Zoe, who has become obsessed with, (laughs) she's just, she's obsessed with Freddie Mercury. So we watched Bohemian Rhapsody. I probably didn't have to, but I fast forwarded one part. That was it. Um, it Party was, scene. Yes, oh. that's exactly right. The first one or the second one? There's the two second. The second one. The one where he's walking through a club. Oh, okay. that one. Okay. That was the only I mean, thing I really felt like was. I mean, my children. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, um, and then so secret. Was that Zoe has been dying to see? I know this is terrible. I'm a horrible mother. Has been dying to see um, A Star is Born. And you could buy it. The only place you could find it was iTunes? No. You're talking about a physical copy? No. It was a rental. No, it was you could buy it a digital. Amazon? Nope. It, it was, was on iTunes. It was like Zudu or something. Vo- Voodoo. Yeah. Really? It was not on iTunes. Weird. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. It was because I looked at it like 15 times this week. <laughs> it was, this one was on like two weeks ago. Mm. It was, I looked everywhere for it. It was only on Voodoo. And she was dying to see it. So I, I bought it and then I had to stand in front of the screen about, three times three or four times but she has been listening to the soundtrack and she just kept saying this is going too fast it's going too fast because the soundtrack basically follows right throughout the you're just boom 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 throughout the movie Mm -hmm. she felt like it went too fast but she um did like it yes she is six no i'm just kidding she's nine she's nine (laughs) harper did not watch it jason doesn't even know that zoe watched it but I did um, shield her from things that I felt she needed to be shielded from. Um, but I, she enjoyed it a lot. So uh, on my radar, um, on my radar is Roma. I keep, I see it. I'm going to watch it, and then I don't for some reason. And there's my paper because I use paper. Um, and then I. If I can get to Can You Forgive Me somewhere and Black Klansman, I can actually watch. And Free Solo sounds like I can actually watch in Cold War. I can watch 
Uh, Cold War is on Hulu, right? I think it's on um, Netflix. No, I think I don't know. I think Cold War is a Hulu. Okay, well, I think I'll look. Um, and then yeah, whatever Oscar movie I can get to. Um, That would be an Oscar movie if you watched Cold War. Mm -hmm. No, I know. I'm (laughs) I'm saying in addition to because I was gonna write. I was gonna say the favorite, but I'm stealing yours, so I'm not. I don't know which one I'm gonna watch yet. I I just threw it out there as an option. It basically whatever (laughs) one fits into my schedule. Whatever one you don't do, I'm gonna do. (laughs) Such a jackass. Anyway, and in the queue, that's my middle name. Um. I'm actually going to watch American Splendor now. I I just never had the desire. Oh, you need to get more on a Paul kick. Um, but now I'm going to. What was the lack of desire in seeing it? I don't know. That's how I feel about some movies. I just don't have an explanation. I just watch, like I watch or see something about it and I. Nothing that draws you in. Uh-uh. Oh. You know what? The one movie that I wanted to make sure that people did check out if they are liking is before Sideways, right? I think so. um, Definitely, yes. Is the movie? um, I think he just finished it and then he went to do something. Why do I have not on here? The uh, the last tour. The Last Waltz? No, that's the last tour, I believe. It's about, um, it's a real story about the last tour. What the heck? What's his name? Who plays Zuckerberg? Who's that? Mark Zuckerberg. Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. He is in it, and he is with, the guy, he's a big guy. Shoot. Somebody get it for me, please. You're talking about the end of tour. That's, the um, end of the tour, right? That's the Rolling Stones, David Lipsky, and David Foster Wallace. I've talked about this movie before. The end of the tour. Yeah. Watch it. Just because... Jason Siegel's in it with Jason and Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, so the team. There's so many great moments, and there's some great quotes in there, and it's a lovely movie. Danny wrote the music. Um, Velvet Buzzsaw, I'm not sure. I have it here, but I just, I don't know. Kendra wants to watch it, so maybe if I sit down, then we have time. It's really slow, but just... Well, at this point, you're just finishing it. Yeah. True. And then Free Solo, definitely. I'll be, hopefully, if Jason can find some time. Pull him in say, Jason, let's watch. But that's it. That's a family movie. You watch it with the family. Okay. There's nothing in Free Solo that other than like... The girls love that you're stuff. You're crazy. Oh, they love that stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps up our show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you have any feedback, send it our way. Facebook, um, Twitter, email, send a pigeon. <laughs> I mean, send a there's pigeon. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of us. Um, our email box is getting dusty. Haven't seen a thing, so... Let us know how we're doing, what we need to change. Is this on? I think, I think we're it recording. is. 
Yeah. It says two hours and 43. I mean, one hour and 43. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding me. <coughs> 143? Hey. 43. We're getting better, kiddos. Uh, we were going down. Now we're going back up. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be the okay. Chicago talk took us out of it. So we'll be good. So. Oh, my God. So. You're such... Uh, anyway. Well, thank you, Rob Infinity, too, for taking me to Chicago. I wouldn't have gone otherwise. Anyway. Tony, where can we find you? I'm on Facebook, Anthony Dark Carter, uh, 167. Instagram is AntCarter85. And my Twitter is S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. Valerie. I am at Valerie Vidmar on Twitter. Instagram, I am PennyLane64. And I'm just, I'm Valerie Lorraine on Facebook. PennyLane Lorraine. Sorry. Right. And I am pretty much GF Media or GF Media CEO. Pretty much everywhere, any social media aspect, even that one that I walked away for for two months yeah. and somehow my account got activated again. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I think it's just because you were missing out on races. Yeah, a lot people, of running the running community the running thing. Community. It was there's a big hole. I mean, the running community kind of took over social media, and that was a big I know. thing. That's so. why. That's why Jason started. Uh, so yeah, go out and find us on uh, culturalstew.net on Twitter, culturalstew.net on the website, and I think that's it. Yeah, I am way off today. You inspiring writers, watch those movies if you. Yeah, let us let us know what what your favorites are, and let us know which ones you absolutely hate. So um, and please let us know. And what? stop talking underneath <laughs> your breath. This and is sh- a show. Throw it in. Shows that you would like to hear. Yeah, I don't know. Shows, directors, actors. Well, we're willing to talk about absolutely anything, really. Okay. So. We're your yeah. guinea pig, sort of. Yeah. If you want All to come right. in, let us know. Right here. Don't Later. Bye. The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by. And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today.
Like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today.